When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome in Rose City to Soccer Made in Portland. I'm Ryan Clark, joined once again by Mr. Chris Reifer, fresh off his trip to Seattle definitely, to see Beyonce. Definitely not fresh. Got back. Fresh. Got back. We were recording at 9.15. Got back less than six hours ago uh, to, you know, so you can do the math. Uh, I trust you all out there to do the math better than better than me. Uh, but yeah, uh, great show. Uh, I, you know, I, I was there like somewhat as like a chaperone uh for for my partner jackie and 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 friends josh and so uh and and you know i mean beyonce is like not quite in in like my necessary musical vein but great show uh really respect like respect her as, as as an artist and like i really like musicians who a like make a genuine effort to connect with their audience, even in difficult sort of environments like that, Lumen Field. Everybody knows how difficult it is to have any engagement from the crowd at Lumen Field. Uh, that's that's been well covered here on this podcast, and uh, and 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 I she did an amazing job of that. And then you know the thing that I thought was was really cool about it, she is an amazing performer in her own right. I, I don't think there is anything I could say on this podcast that would that would you know add anything meaningful on that. She's a legend in her own right. But with the way she sort of organizes her show, she really, really lifts up lots of other artists in in lots of other ways. Visual artists, dancers, uh, musicians, like, and and that was really fun to see because there are sort of, there are long stretches when either she's not on the stage doing sort of a set and wardrobe change and all that stuff, or when she's like on the stage where she kind of takes a step back and lets somebody else really feature. And you don't always see that in sort of pop circles. Uh, and I, and I thought she did an amazing job of it and featured some really amazing folks. Uh, and so it's one of those things where, you know, uh, folks talk about, folks talk about how powerful Beyonce is. And when you watch a Beyonce show, as I did this one time, uh, you, you get that, like you can sort of see, like you can, you sort of feel like her power as a performer and as a, as a, as a person in, in, in our culture, but she gets that power by lifting other people up which is pretty cool uh and and so yeah i i came away very impressed great show uh you know it's it's not like the kind of thing that i'm going to be bumping on my spotify all day uh actually margo silker's brand new album just out today that is that is going to be played uh very different genre uh but uh but so i mean you know i'm not i'm not going to be logging into the beyonce spot spotify station today but uh but I, i i came away pretty impressed had a great time that's my review. Yeah, I, I, what, what do you think? No. Should I should I abandon soccer podcasting and start reviewing 
random shows of artists who like i don't really connect with that much if somebody will pay you to do it yeah go do it why not but um nobody's gonna pay me to do that just to be clear no no they won't (laughs) um in, in terms of you know that experience that you had with beyonce i i felt similarly about mine with taylor swift uh when when i went down to la to to watch her show the eras tour came to sofi stadium uh, my fiance emma her brother lives in la is emma, uh, is so, emma a swifty oh yeah she's she's hardcore yeah. about it and so it was it was very much like an, an experience that that she experienced fully compared to me where i was i was there for for the vibes and am not a huge taylor swift fan myself but I found the the performance and and the endurance that that T Swift showed on stage and everything else to be really impressive and um she she puts on a great show you know yeah. objectively even if you're not a fan of of her music you got to give her props because not only is is her music incredibly influential but just the volume of songs that like you're, you're, you think about it over the years and you're like oh yeah she's like one of the most important artists of our time, regardless of how you, you feel about her music or even if you listen to it all that often. I will say that going to that concert made me listen to T Swift a little more than I used to. Um, I'm, I'm more of a sort of low key, like different side of T Swift type of guy. Now folklore, maybe being the, the album that I spin more than the others. Obviously there's the hit songs that everybody knows that they like to, to listen to listen to but you know living with emma as well just inevitably i'm gonna hear and listen to to more taylor swift so yeah i there's a lot of taylor swift that comes on in my household as well uh and and i actually i really like uh really like might be an overstatement but i like uh taylor taylor swift's uh, like her sort of more folk and and even some of her earlier country stuff uh i i'm swift is an awesome musician like that's, I mean, that's one of the things that pops out and it, it, she's an awesome musician and songwriter. Oh, and I, I think that's, that's maybe one of the, the, especially the songwriting is, is a little bit different than what Beyonce brings. Um, but yeah, I mean, probably the two kind of like most iconic musicians of our time, I think you'd have to say. Yeah. Both on those, tour right now, two... Renaissance and eras. Any other, yeah, I mean, I can't think of anybody I, else I would put who's sort of at the peak of their uh, their career right now in in that pantheon. I, I think that you know some people might argue for for people like Drake as an example, but they're he's not a completely different artist. But he's not, and he's not on that level. That's yeah. the thing. Like Beyonce and like taking nothing uh, away Taylor from Drake, Swift, other than no. other than his really obnoxious sports uh, sports you know following habits. Yeah, as and, a musician, uh, taking new, nothing away from him. His new album is coming out next week too for all the dogs. So, I think it's going to beat Margot Silkers. I don't know. I don't know, man. I I I could not tell you. But I, I will say this: that you know, Taylor Swift and Beyonce basically carrying the United States economy for That's the right. better part of, alongside the Barbie movie. And, so that the, yeah. these three three women and you know, seismic activity uh, apparently, yeah. but also carrying the United States seismic activity over the course of the summer as well. Yeah, that stuff's crazy. You know, it's it's uh, it's been an interesting summer, uh, and and led by those those three entities uh, to to sort of keep the U.S. economy afloat as right. as you know 
income inequality continues to grow and uh, rent is too high and it's impossible to buy a house. I won't get started, but you know, <laughs> everyone feels the same way about that. So getting into the soccer here. Yeah, the uh, soccer. The, yeah why not? The Portland Actually, pretty Timbers, good stuff to talk about this week. Yeah, the Portland Timbers won. They won 2-0 over LAFC. Not in the same uh, pantheon was, as, as Taylor Swift and Beyonce, though, let's be clear. No, no, they are they are definitely uh, lower tier yeah. in that regard. But uh, <laughs> it was a, it was a good win for the Timbers. They they shut out a good LAFC team that you know while it was missing some players, still has plenty of talent on the attacking side. Um, Timbers are Portland missing too. a lot of def- defensive players. Yeah, Juan Mosquera wasn't there. Miguel Araujo wasn't there. Dario Zuperich was suspended. Um, you know, all of those guys are are pretty important to what the Timbers do defensively. Um, and I think this was really a statement win for Miles Joseph, a, a guy who seems to be getting greater buy-in out of his players than Gio was getting at the tail end of his tenure. And and you know, having a, a fresh voice and and new ideas is important, even if Miles is it talking a lot about you know maintaining the system that they had in place before. There are changes, and there is significant you know change in attitude in particular. Yeah. Uh, with this group and, and they seem more motivated, more unselfish. They're, they're pinging the ball around in ways that, that they hadn't been really doing before, including what I think was probably the best team goal of the season um, with, with that one leading into Bravos. There have been a couple other contenders. Yeah, it's up there. Uh, the, yeah, the Mosquera little blooper to Evander earlier in the year was, was a good little sequence, but Either way, I, I mean, a comprehensive performance against the reigning MLS Cup champs is nothing to scoff at and something that I think could serve as a, as a catalyst for a strong finish for the Timbers. The schedule may get in the way of that, as will potentially the absence of Diego Char, which we'll get to momentarily. Uh, he had an appendectomy earlier this week. In fun. fact, yes, yesterday was was his surgery day. So that that sucks for Diego. He's out one to three weeks. A lot of different storylines attached to the rest of the season, but just starting at that game, your impressions of, of the win over LAFC. Probably the best performance of the season overall. Uh, and and I think that was primarily on, on the defensive side of the ball. I thought the Timbers just defended really, really well. Uh, such that, I mean, you know, LAFC had some half chances in there. One or two okay ones, but like nothing where I was like, oh my gosh, how did they not score there? Uh, and and look, I mean, even when this LAFC team has struggled, they've generated chances. They've scored goals. And yeah, there was no Denis Buanga, uh, But, you know, as you pointed out, the, the Timbers also had very significant uh, absences on the back line. So I think that's probably a bit of a wash. And Timbers won that matchup with with a plum. Uh, and, and I think you heard, you know, my takeaway coming out of the game was, Man, these guys all seem a lot more dialed in and a lot more bought in than they did a few weeks ago. And I was like kind of sitting back being like, all right, I got my take. And then Larry Smabiala just after the game comes out and says it. <laughs> and I'm like, it was like that moment. I uh, remember a few years ago where like this reporter had been working on this big story about, I think, Donald Trump Jr. or something like that. And then Donald Trump Jr. just like tweeted it out. And the guy was like, I've been reporting this for a year. And the dude just tweeted it. That's kind of that that that's how I felt, except with my very milk toast take on the on the one hand, and then Mabiala just coming out and saying it in the post game press conference on the other. Uh, but I, I I think he's right. I you know I mean he talked about how things had been slipping over the course of the last couple seasons, uh, and that they have paid more attention to, 
and and sort of doubled down on on correcting. Uh, and I think you can see it. Uh, I think you can see those moments where there was previously a lot of space in the Timbers defense. There was not uh, against LAFC. And uh, I think that's that's fantastic. I, I I think the way that they were pressing at times, sort of choosing their spots to press, that's exactly what the second goal came out of. A uh, really nice bit of repressing from uh, from the Timbers forces an errant pass. Claudio Bravo picks it off. Three passes. Bravo makes a good run, and he's in. A uh, great goal, uh, front to back. That's I mean that that is that is using your your to your your sort of defensive approach and your defensive shape to create in the attack. Uh, and and the Timbers, you know, couldn't have been more than five or six seconds from. Uh, turning the ball over, uh, turning LAFC over into putting the the ball in the back of the net, and that's good stuff. Yeah, it is, and and I think that part of their defensive shape being improved had a lot to do with the play of, of Christian Paredes yeah. and and uh, you know Diego Chara, but also Evander. Evander was as started to sh- sort of shift back talk, further and further. Talk about a guy last few games. who looks more bought in on the defensive side in the last few games. We commented about it, I think, after the RSL game. Uh, that Evander, even though he didn't have a great game in the attack, looked like he was quite a bit more engaged defensively. And I think that's carried on. Yeah, yeah. His work rate is much higher on that end of the field. And um, I, I think he honestly seems more comfortable in that area. Meachland had him uh, in, in Denmark as a uh, as an eight sort of sort of player. Geo and, and the Timbers, you know, given his skill as a playmaker, wanted him to be a 10. But at this point, I'm not really sure if he is a 10. I, th- I think that they could look elsewhere at that position, find somebody um, of equal or better talent as Evander as a playmaker and goal scorer and, and allow Evander to, to play end-to-end in that way um, in, in a system that allows him to do so. You know, He can still make plays. He can still score goals. But, but I think his value defensively when he's on, when his work rate is high, um, is legitimate and and if if they can maintain that consistently then i think he, that's where the the real value lies for him because it's easy for you know people to look at the goal scoring statistics and the assists and you know his his value as sort of the engine of this you know typically pretty incompetent timbers attack but there's so much more that that he can give and they just need to really find where he fits into the puzzle and I don't think we can have a conversation about attacking players looking more engaged on the defensive side of the ball without talking about Santiago Moreno. I mean, it is. I mean, the the issues that he had with Gio and with the club leading into this period were well documented, and I say that because you documented them. <laughs> um, but well documented and well discussed because we discuss them a lot, uh, and. You know, there was there was a play in the first half where Moreno was involved in a sequence right at the top of the box where he either took a shot and it was uh, it was saved or uh, or or he made an assist and it was saved and it was kind of a sequence that just didn't quite come off that looked promising and and then it kind of fizzled a little bit in the end and LAFC played out quickly from it and played into the space where Moreno he would ordinarily come from and that's a circumstance that we saw a lot of a lot of teams have been doing that over the course of the season when he's been on the field. And it's because they knew that that was somewhere that they could play into with minimal resistance because 
Marino wouldn't recover, right? And here was Santi Marino absolutely hauling grass. It would be nice if somebody hauled grass onto the surface of Providence Park. But here's Santi Moreno hauling grass to apply pressure immediately. And I mean that it like when I saw that, like it was it was sort of like one of those moments. I mean, you you see mo- you you see sort of improvements on a macro level as you're going along with this kind of stuff. But that was one of those moments where you're like, oh, that's different. That's really different from what we saw before. Yeah, and it's not often that you can can look at a team and and it's sort of visibly clear the difference between, you know, one team and the other when it comes to leadership, right? Yeah. Like sometimes stuff like that is overblown, sometimes, you know, it doesn't apply to everybody, but right now it really does seem to be applying to almost everybody out there with with their effort level, with their performance and um you know, Larry Smabiala, you, you spoke about his his postgame quotes. He had a, a great game, and he's somebody that's faced a lot of criti- criticism from fans and, and media and elsewhere. Yeah, he's, he's had a rough year and is as at the tail end of his career. But he had a great game and had a headed goal and almost had a brace. He he told Zach McGraw he really wanted that brace, too. I mean, who, who wouldn't? Um, it would have been his second-headed goal of the game, too. Uh, but, but regardless, um, Mabiala's quotes about you know, the, the coaching difference and, and the accountability, uh, including additional quotes from Zach McGraw, I think were really important for people to pay attention to. And and Mabiala said that Liam Ridgewell has been crucial to, to what they've done in terms of accountability and practice. Uh, Zach McGraw even said that they spent like 35 minutes just on defending set pieces, which somebody online pointed out if if that is a significant Major departure departure from from what they've been doing before what the heck were they doing at, at training under Gio Savarese I, I think that's an interesting perspective I, I can't speak to whether or not they they really did that at length under under Gio but I will say that you know guys pointing stuff like that out means that it's a it's a divergence right it means that um you know, Riggi is is playing a big role as sort of the vocal leader among the coaching staff, and and Miles Joseph is somebody that's that's sort of the calm, cool, collected. Um, doesn't seem to really get too emotionally high or low. Um, friendly guy with the media in general. That doesn't really matter in terms of on field performance, but I just want to note that as somebody who interacts with him regularly. I, I, there's a difference here. There's a significant difference in these last few games for the Timbers compared to to the 10, 15, even 20 previous games. And look, you know, it's the the difference. I mean, the, the important thing is not necessarily the number of minutes they're spending training set pieces. The thing that is clearly different that we've just even seen in the games is the intensity and the buy-in that they're bringing to these moments. And I think you can sort of at least read in the subtext the intensity and the buy-in that they're bringing to training as well. Uh, And, uh, you know, I mean, I know the Timbers pushed and even probably to some extent to this day push back a lot on this narrative. But 
everything that we're, we've seen over the course of the last several weeks on either side of the Timbers making a coaching change very much aligns with the idea that Geode kind of lost the locker room. And that's not to say that's necessarily Geo's fault. I, you know, I think I've said similar things in the past. You've said similar things in the past. And I think Ned Gravoboy said similar things in, in the press conference after they made the move. But like that kind of sometimes just happens uh, with a coach and a set of players that it's a little bit of a yeah. cyclical kind of thing. And, and sometimes they just have a natural life to them. He pushed back still on the idea that he lost the locker room. But I, I think that's that's just I mean, w- when when people say a coach has lost a locker room, that doesn't necessarily mean there's like active mutiny going on. But his message clearly wasn't getting through. Yeah, and you could maybe argue that that performance in Houston was an example of active I mean, mutiny, but, but that's neither here nor there. Or, or at least passive mutiny, right? Maybe that was, you know, passive resistance more than active mutiny. But yeah, I mean, I think that's that that's kind of the point, that losing the locker room doesn't mean that, that you know, folks are throwing chairs and doing all that kind of stuff. But it it certainly can mean that the that the coach's message just isn't getting through to the the group of players anymore, and I think everything we've seen very much aligns with that. The Timbers have been pretty aggressive at times in pushing back on that, especially before uh, before Geo left. Um, but it's it's sort of just there, uh, and and I think they're now getting the response they are because they're seeing the buy-in far more than they were. And, you know, that's credit to Miles Joseph uh, and, and Liam Ridgewell and, and the staff. That's credit to the players uh, for getting bought back in um, and, uh, and for sort of responding to this in the way that the Timbers, I think, hoped they would. Uh, but, you know, I, I mean, <laughs> that, that doesn't mean that they're now sort of on a, on a golden path to the playoffs. Uh, even if, you know, just getting into the eighth or ninth spot was something to write home about, which I've been clear is not. But I, I still think, you know, I mean, I, I, I think we're, there are some bumps remaining in this road. Uh, and there, there are some obstacles that they're, they're going to have to overcome. Uh, and in the end, you know, I mean, they, I think they had a solid performance against RSL. They had a pretty poor first 55 minutes against Seattle until Seattle went a man, went a man down and then it, they, they played much better. And then they had one really good performance against LAFC. And, you know, that's progress, but it's not exactly like a large sample size. Right. It's it's not like we've really seen them on, you know, an extended run of vastly improved play. Yeah, it's like 120 minutes basically yeah. of, of good play <laughs> yeah. at this point. And they're gonna need to do a lot more than that starting this week, <laughs> uh, if if they hope to salvage anything at all uh out of the season. Um they they still have their work cut out for them. But you know, I mean this is the the response that they wanted and and at least early on. They're getting it. Yeah, and right now tied on points with Austin FC. Austin, of course, has a game in hand. Um, they play each other on, on Sunday in Austin. 
big game for the Timbers, one that if you win, you put yourself in a far greater position than if you draw or lose. Can draw it, I think, as as we talked a little bit about off air. Yeah. Uh, if if you're getting a couple of wins when you come back uh, to to you know face a couple other teams in the mix there, but Colorado's not in it, the mix. Colorado is yeah. firmly out of every imaginable mix. Perhaps save for the mix for worst MLS team ever. Yeah, and potentially worst organization. As I mean, well. just Toronto's, given... Toronto's making a case. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Those two. <laughs> There's a lot of uh, discord, uh, particularly among fans of, of the Rapids right now, too, who yeah. have, have gone the extra mile. <laughs> yeah, understandably, given the, the incompetence and, and everything that's happened down there. And just but, the apathy. It's yeah, uh, and, from and ownership. The, the apathy, apathy. Is, is, is horrific. And if... If I was a person who invested a lot of emotional energy and money in the, the Colorado Rapids over the last few years, I too would be irate uh, about the apathy uh, and the failure to invest a lot of emotional energy or money uh, in the team by their extremely deep-pocketed owners. Yeah, very, very wealthy owners too. It's not like they're lacking for for funds there. Uh, so the, the, the game in Austin is big on Sunday for the Timbers, obviously. Uh, then they, they return home and face San Jose and Colorado, which is a, a pair of games that, you know, as, as we talked a little bit about off air, you got to get six points out of, out of those yeah. two home games. If you want to get into the playoffs, getting three as well on, on Sunday in Austin would do wonders for that as well. And, and I think it's going to be a little tougher because Diego Chara, as, as we talked about before, is going to be out after having the appendectomy this week, potentially out for most if not all of the remaining games when you look at the schedule in the next three weeks which is the the back end of that timeline of of his recovery which we don't know if that's you know getting back to games or getting back on the field period right now for Diego everybody has a different reaction to to that surgery which let's be clear is is a relatively common surgery for people to get and something that an elite athlete like Diego Chara would be more likely to recover quickly from than you or me but at the same time, like they also have, back end, of, they also have three games in the next week for which he's indisputably going to be out. Right there, there's yeah, he's, no he's going to be out for all that. of us. Yeah, and those three games are. I mean, if they don't get seven or nine points out of those three games, it might be curtains. Yeah, it might be it. And and those last two games of the season against uh, Montreal and and Houston, uh, three, Montreal three games including uh, a road game at at the rejuvenated Los Angeles Galaxy. Exactly. Um, it, you know, it, it feels like one of those things where it's going to come down to decision day against Houston. Given the incompetence of the West, given how tight everything is near the bottom. But you want to put yourself in, in a position where you even have a chance at that point. Right. Because there there is a scenario where despite the improved play, despite the greater buy in that the Timbers you know, they run into a few brick walls on, on the way down the stretch. And, and suddenly that's, there's just not any, any math left for them to math here. Yeah. The math, the math will not mean mathing if they trip up more than once or twice in, uh, in, in this, this home stretch. Look, you know, I mean, this is an Austin team that has had a really disappointing season just overall uh, over the course of the year. That's not playing great they have uh like one point 
since the uh, since the league's cup break. <laughs> they lost. Yeah, they haven't won since July fifteenth against uh, against uh, Sporting Kansas City. Yeah, so it's it's been a while it's, for them, and they they got trounced. They got trounced in August. Do I remember seeing the score? St. Louis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was rough. That's a bad one. That's a bad matchup for Austin too, just mm-hmm. with the way they play and the way St. Louis plays. Uh, Austin's a team that exposes themselves with the ball a lot, and St. Louis is a team that exposes teams that expose themselves uh, with the ball a lot. And, and St. Louis has done that a couple times uh, to, uh, to to Austin. But, you know, I mean, if this is one of those games that if the Timbers lose it, right, they'll be at least, you know, they, they, they would still be at least a point down on Dallas. And Dallas has two games in hand, not just one. They would be three points down on Austin with Austin having a game in hand. They would be facing pressure from behind from Sporting Kansas City and the LA Galaxy. Uh, and they would be just looking at not having only having five games left. And I, you know, if they lose this game at Austin, you'd be pretty quickly get to the point where the math kind of s- stops mathing. Uh, where you, you you say the Timbers not only need to to get results going forward, they probably need some help. Uh, and and so you know, I mean, the, 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 this is just the position that they've put themselves in. And look, I mean, things like Diego Chara's appendectomy—that's just life, man. I mean, that's just that's just like sports. Players pick up injuries. Yeah. Players have things happen. Like that's just bad luck is part of sports. That's, yeah. You have to be able to exist in the in the face of bad yeah. luck. Yeah, and that's why you don't stink for the first two thirds or three quarters of the season. Because if you if you don't stink in that stretch, and something like Diego Chara's appendectomy happens, you can say, yeah, let's weather this stretch. Uh, let's you know, let, let, let's keep from taking on too much water and then we'll be fine because we picked up the points that we needed to pick up back over the summer and in the spring. But when you stink in the summer and the spring and you basically need every result you can get uh, over the course of the last six games and then something like this happens, you know, you you really can't blame bad luck for that because this is just, I mean, this is just the stuff that happens. Uh, And, you know, I, I, I just don't want to get into a spot and I worry someone about this. I don't want to get into this uh, a spot where maybe the Timbers miss the playoffs and they, they come back and they're like, well, Diego Chara's appendix hadn't gotten, you know, the, we'd have made it BS. <laughs> like, I don't know if that scenario is going to come to pass where that's even going to be a relevant point, but if it does, it's a terrible, ridiculous point. Uh, the reason the Timbers are in the position that they are right now so that they need every possible point to just get into the playoffs is because the Timbers were bad for the first two thirds of the season. <laughs> and if you're not, then things like this are just life. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I don't want there to be any anybody ruining the woe is me bad luck of Diego Chara getting appendicitis. Um. Uh, because that that is not the causal factor of what's what's happened uh, this season, and it won't be the cause of anything at the end. Oh, that's just a blip that happens. Yeah, and I think the Timbers are in a better position to sort of 
get through this as well, given that they're in a little bit better form and that, you know, they have Brian Acosta, a guy who, you know, hasn't been dazzling since he came to Portland, but he's the type of dude that, you know, if, if you just throw him in there, he, he fills the space. He's no Diego Chara. Let's get that out of the way from the top, but he's somebody that is a MLS veteran that can sort of fill the void better than maybe the alternative, which, you know, previously this season, Noel Kalaskan, a young guy who has potential but is not there yet by any means. Yes, and, and, and the and, Timbers are looking at a three-game week now uh, with the trip to Austin uh, and the games against Colorado and San Jose. Uh, and they're thin in central midfield. Uh, I mean, it's going to be Paredes and, and, and Acosta and Evander, probably for all three. And how that unit holds up over the course of those three is going to be a big deciding factor in how they do. Yeah, and Evander, you know, he's done well on on the defensive end and had a higher work rate, but he's also got a lot of miles on his legs from from this season, legs that, you know, were not 100% to begin with, you know, in terms of his his shape, his injury, like at the start of the year he was not where he needed to be. And so, you know, it's going to wear on guys like him. I think Paredes has just been a, a beast all season, but at the same time, he's got some serious miles from from stretches where he he was playing ninety minutes in in three game weeks. Yeah, you know, he's going to play two. Game. He's going to play two. I mean, unless he gets suspended or something like that, he's going to play two hundred and seventy minutes over the course of this next week. Yeah, which is insane. I can't even fathom that level of of exhaustion. A lot of soccer. Um, yeah, that is a lot of soccer. Um, you know, who's not playing a lot of soccer these days, but has a a few crucial games coming up is the Portland Thorns. That's right. They they had some time off after that rough Louisville performance, a loss on the road for them at Rossing Louisville. Uh, to, returning home to to face Megan Rapino and O.L. Rain, huge game for a lot of different reasons. Obviously, the rivalry is is chief among them, but also the you standings know, are chief among them. This time. the stand, yeah. This time the standings are are really standing ab- above. It's for everything it's for else. more than pride this time. Yeah. That sounds like a stupid thing that some comms person would, would say, so I kind of enjoy that. But Yeah, it was like a – that's like a remember the Titans type. It's more, for, type more than pride. There. Thorns, yeah, it is rain. Buy tickets now. <laughs> $90 resale. Um, so the <laughs> – It'd be great. The matchup – the matchup is big uh, for a lot of reasons. Rapino's last game in Portland, obviously, is is an exciting narrative, and it's going to be a mix of cheers and boos. It's going to be emotional. That's that's going to be special to be there for that moment because she means a lot to this city. and And you can check out my story on her uh, her return to Portland for one last game on OregonLive dot com right now. Shameless plug. Um, but you know, the rivalry is there and the standings, as you said, are the biggest part of it. The thorns are in second right now, just behind San Diego, uh, in, in the NWSL standings. Um, a win would put them in, in a spot where they potentially are back on top of the shield race with three games to go. That's big. A win for the rain puts them in the top two. The rain want an opportunity to, to host a semifinal to get into that final match. Um, and it puts the thorns so, in danger of being on the lower end or potentially even on the outs altogether. Yeah. And that a loss at home in this game would be really, really rough for the thorns uh, and would would be a lot of 
you know, navel gazing and soul searching in the in the weeks following that leading into that San Diego game. A lot of eyeballs even more firmly transfixed on on whether Sophia Smith would be healthy for that game, too, because then it it feels more of that desperation. You feel more of the the need to bring her back quicker. Obviously, the Thorns are going to be careful with her health and make sure that she's like fully ready to go so they can ramp her up for the playoffs. But you don't want to put yourself in in that position where you're questioning it, right? You want to get three points out of this huge matchup, make a statement over not only a rival, but a fellow NWSL championship contender in the rain, a a rain team that has basically everybody healthy. You know, they just Fallon and Tullis Joyce just got transferred to Manchester United. So that's that's a major loss for them. But otherwise, they they are they are a team that that can and is capable of you know knocking the thorns off their pedestal here and and boy are they motivated too and so is rapino in, in particular to to spoil um spoil the thorns sort of run to a repeat with with her own you know dazzling you know knife jabbing way of of playing soccer um she she's going to be up for this one so there there's a lot going into that game but I, I think it's going to be a very um, intense 90 minutes once that gets started. It's going to be a very intense 90 minutes. Uh, and look, you know, I mean, this is just sort of where the thorns are at in the season, that everything is, is, is hanging in the balance right now. And, and these performances now are going to be enormously mag- magnified. I mean, these next three games are maybe as big a three-game stretch as I can remember the thorns having in immediate memory uh you've got the rain uh, all at home which is really helpful but you've got the rain the wave and gotham i think that's what one four and five in the standings currently with the thorns at number at, at two so you've got i mean at providence park over the next few weeks you are going to see four of the five top teams in nwsl uh and if the thorns can win those games if the thorns win all three gotta think there's a good chance they win the shield if the thorns don't, you know, I mean, you know, and 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 as you sort of knock down the 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 results, pretty quickly it turns pretty sour, right? And so that that's where they're at. I, you know, it, it seems clear that we won't be seeing Sophia Smith uh, in in this game against the rain. That's going to make that a little bit more challenging uh, for 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 Portland. Uh, but they've won without Soph at home, especially before. We saw it just a few weeks ago against the other of the, the top five teams uh, in NWSL, the North Carolina Courage. Uh, we, we we saw them win uh, with limited soap, I, I guess 30 minutes of soap uh, in, in that game. She came on for the match winner. So, like, you know, whether that's really a thing, whether that point actually has any validity or not, I'll let the, the listener decide. Uh, yeah. But, <laughs> um, you know, but yeah, I mean, they did play 60 minutes without Sophia Smith and, and had good moments equalized, even being a player down uh, in, in that game without, without Soph. And they're going to need to have a performance like that, preferably with 11 on the field this time uh, in order to get the result against, uh, against the rain this week. But I mean, it doesn't get bigger than this. Uh, you know, buy your tickets for these for these next few. Get out uh, to see these games because uh, regular season games. You know, folks talk a lot about whether the playoff structure uh, properly values the regular season and and all of that. 
NWSL has playoffs. And what, half the league qualifies now? If I'm doing my math, somebody currently, somebody, yes. somebody, six, yeah, six of the 12. Six, yeah. Somebody check and make sure my math is mathing on that. Half the league makes it, which some people would, you know, shake their fist at. Uh, it's deserved but, this year, though, big time. I mean, all six of the teams that are currently in, we've talked about before, can win the championship yep. from, from, you know, the top at San Diego all the way down to the sixth seed in, in Washington. And, you know, guess what? I mean, the the criticism of having that kind of system is that you don't have these kinds of high leverage games. You got them. If you want high leverage games, here they are. Uh, and and the Thorns have got to go out and, and get the results in them. Yeah, and, and that's not to say that that the, the season closer at Angel City is is a kickover by any means. I don't think Angel City's lost in like two months. Uh, after a terrible start to the season, I think it's been since July that they've lost a game. Uh, you know, that, that that's not going to be uh, a kickover by any means either. I think if the Thorns run the table, maybe it doesn't even matter that much. Uh, and that would be the dream uh, in, in these next three. But boy, that's going to be hard to do. Uh, that's not going to be an easy task to run the table uh, in these three home games. Uh, and, and, you know, it all starts against the rain uh, on the weekend on Saturday. Sunday. Yeah. Saturday. Saturday. Days are hard, man. I got I got Usually no, no, I get it. Usually the Timbers are on Saturday and the Thorns on Sunday this year. That that's been a pretty common yeah. pattern. So I can forgive you for, you know, mixing those up, but it is the the Thorns first are on Saturday 7:30 at Providence Park and then Primetime. Timbers Timbers are on the road Sunday afternoon. So um yeah, look, the the Racing Louisville game was was an example of the Thorns sort of reverting to some really unfortunate old habits defensively. They are lucky they didn't lose that game like four to one with the opportunities that, that Louisville was getting. And that's was not a terribly talented Louisville attack, you know, compared to what is going to be brought to the table with this rain team, uh, which is, you know, hungry to, to prove itself. And, and need we remind people has never won an NWSL championship. The rains right. have not won it. The rain, the, the rain have not won a title. The rains, <laughs> the the rain have not won a title in NWSL and and Rapino. You know that that'd be a pretty sweet way to go out. You know they've won shields and that's all good and fine. But I feel like people rightfully value championships more than than shields. <laughs> Having both is the goal of the Thorns this year. The rain probably feel the same way because they they feel like they came up short. Uh, not not achieving that um, last season. Once upon a time, we could have made a, a quip about about Seattle teams in playoffs. Uh, I feel like that that time is probably past. Sadly, uh, also making fun of Seattle for their stupid viaduct that has also passed. It's it's pretty annoying. We're 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 gonna have to find new things. Yeah, yeah. There's there's got to be more. Uh, I mean, there's there's an endless list of of things that you can talk smack about there is but those are those were a couple of the greatest hits yeah they were um you know producing terrible rap music i think is something that i've brought up before and it continues to to be the case but that is (laughs) (laughs) self-evident it's it's funny because i'm i'm somebody that you know grew up in portland you know, have have my own attitudes about about Seattle as a city that I I sort of bring to the table. So even as as a thoroughly objective journalist on the sidelines of, of these games, I, I feel it, man. I, I feel that sort of, you know, visceral 
dislike for for the city up north that that portland fans possess i remember feeling it when i i went to blazer games as a kid and they would play the sonics and i, I remember you know yeah you know, all the games the, the, i've been the, to the tre- as a professional the, tre- the treachery of sonics fans i i still i mean this was this was like that was kind of an, an inflection moment for me uh after after the sonics were scandalously moved to oklahoma city Sonics fans like got on all the Blazers message boards being like, Hey, during the Oklahoma city introductions, like we should all chant super Sonics. And like a lot of people did because it was just like, you know, even though the Sonics were rivals, it was, it was messed up. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then the Blazers introductions came immediately after all the Sonics fans booed the Blazers. And I was like, what the heck? <laughs> like, <laughs> what the heck? And so, yeah, that, really that was the moment. I will point out that there was no Macklemore special appearance at the Beyonce show last night. Oh, thank goodness. For good reason. I mean, for good reason. <laughs> Not exactly um, fitting. Not in the, the Pantheon. The vibe. <laughs> Not no. in the Pantheon. No. Um, this is a this is an anti-Macklemore podcast, just, just <laughs> for... For uh, those who may not know, um, but yeah, you know, Seattle. I've always sort of had that attitude towards it's 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 just you know I, I'm feeling very pro Portland right now too because you know I I got to to ride the Portland Spirit last night yeah, for a company nice. event which was which was fun. Um, very but, very you know, company I, event vibes. Yeah, extreme Portland, Oregon company event vibes <laughs> riding on that boat. Uh, and it was my first time, but I know so many people for whom that was that was the case. And so, you know, you get a very romantic view of the city from there. And, you know, of course, people online, they're just like, it's, uh, Antifa's taken over and, you know, it, it's it, homelessness and all the all the all the standard, you know, Fox News lines that everybody, you know, who doesn't live here or even some of the ones that do live here throw out there. Right. But Portland, when you compare it to Seattle and, and I have said enough about why I think that the negativity toward Portland is the way it is. But Portland compared to Seattle, like there, there's a greater level of authenticity in in this city uh, when it comes to to just frankly, you know, the people walking around, the 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 restaurants, the the businesses, the general vibe that you experience. Not and, having Macklemore. Not having Macklemore. Uh, the, the general, I mean, there, there are corporations that are in Portland, but the general less corporate vibe of this city compared to, to the Emerald city, I, I, I'm biased obviously, but it's a, to me, it's a, it's a no brainer. Uh, so, so those are, those are my general feelings right now. And I'm tired of people stepping all over Portland. Are are you a troll or are you looking for solutions? That's, that's the decisive question. None of them are looking for solutions or contributing lot, lot of, to those lot, solutions. Lot of the former. Yeah, it is. It is much of that. It's it's just it's trolling. It's using the city as a cudgel, and I'm frankly tired of it. I'm not saying that this is Seattle people doing this. This is a discussion about Portland versus Seattle, but just in general, tired of people using this city as a cudgel for their own personal, you know, psychoses about you know what politics they believe in what political party should be in charge. I don't, I just leave me alone. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I truly do not subscribe to, to that feeling about anything, whether, <sighs> whether there's a game happening or not. A- anything, Look, anything else you'd like to talk through? 
I think you're, this you're is kind a of, good you're therapy You're kind of potting your way through these these feelings, so I, I, I don't want to get in the way. I should save this like for my therapist. I don't need to do any more <laughs> anymore on on the podcast. But I, I will say this that you know th- this rivalry is is real for a reason. These are two different cities with different personalities that you know through sports are allowed to sort of have this fun jabbing at one another. Um, and and Saturday is going to be a lot of fun for that reason. And and Rapino, the complication of of her sort of legacy. Um, you know, adds to it because you've, you've, as I, you know, was able to, to flesh out in the story. Um, she's somebody that is beloved by a lot of people in this town, especially a lot of the soccer fans because of not only what she has meant to the city through UP, but also, you know, as a social activist, somebody who has been thoroughly outspoken, um, in, in favor of, of things that a lot of Portlanders, you know, truly believe in and have fought for in their own rights over the years, LGBTQ plus rights um, to, to name one of the the major ones, you know, and there are so many for Megan Rapinoe that she's been involved in over the years. Um, pay, pay equality through us women's national team. Um, there's, there's direct connections between her and Becky Sauerbrunn and Crystal Dunn who have fought those battles She's loved for those reasons, and then they're also happy to, you know, as I, I said in the story, throw up a couple of middle fingers to her when she scores a goal because that's the rivalry. That's the, the vitriol that exists between Portland and Seattle, and she, she thrives in it. She w- is willing to play the sports villain in that sense and be, be a sort of hero for people in a different sense, so it's it's a really fun dichotomy that I look forward to, to seeing play out on the field. And it, and it in many ways... I think sort of sums up the, the the feelings of rivalry between Portland and Seattle. These two these are two places that are both similar enough and different enough to sort of have that 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 neighborly uh, friction. Uh, and and I think that's exactly what you see uh, with with, with Rapina. She she is she she is similar enough in in terms of a lot of the values that people here hold here in Portland, uh, but different enough to sort of have those ambivalent feelings uh, about them. And that's, that, that's what makes rivalry really good. Uh, I think that that's what makes regional rivalries more potent than, uh, than national rivalries. I would like to CC that comment to the NCAA. Uh, and, uh, and you know, th- that's what makes it fun. So I, yeah, I mean, for, for all of the reasons, this is going to be a really fun game on, on Saturday. Uh, it deserves the primetime billing that it is getting. Uh, and look, if you haven't made your haven't made your plans for Saturday night, grab grab some tickets. Uh, it's going to be a good one. It's going to be one to watch. Uh, there's going to be there's going to be plenty of blood in this one. Uh, in in terms of uh, in terms of players getting stuck in and and, and fighting for everything uh, to get everything out of it. And so uh, you know this is this is this is one where if you're a sports fan, come on out. That'll wrap it for us here on Soccer Made in Portland. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter slash X at Ryan T. Clark at Chris Rife. We can just keep and... calling it Twitter, right? Yeah, like, I look. I all my like stories, I'm never going to call it yeah. a post or an X or whatever they wanted to call, wanted to want us to call it now, right? Uh, yeah, it's, it's and, just Twitter. It, their tweets. And by the time that that you know it would be necessary that it would have been x for long enough to matter it's not going to exist anyway so (laughs) so we'll we'll be fine either way uh follow us on that platform uh if you are still using it um like us subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast leave a review if you so choose 
and we will catch you next week as we recap this this big game for the thorns against the rain and then another big one for for the timbers on the road at austin thanks for joining us 